0: What do we need as a UCLA fan? Do we need to fire the coach? Do we need a new quarterback? Is Dante more going to get benched for the rest of the year? What do we need going into the Stanford matchup? I think we need to relax just a little bit. A little bit. You are locked on UCLA. Your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the Locked On UCLA podcast. I'm your host, Zach Anderson. The Oxheimer. thanks for making this show your first listen each every day. It's free where we get your podcast and your team every day, for better or for worse, UCLA fans. And hey, if you're in every day we talked about certain things the Bruins had to capitalize on, needing to limit the Oregon State run, their true best rushing attack they faced all season. And could Dante Moore limit the mistakes against the Oregon State pressure? That didn't happen, which is why. You should be in every day, or we'll talk about all this stuff and in, in this Reaction Monday episode of Great and Everything. It's brought to you by Game Time because all you gotta do is download the Game Time app, create an account, use the promo code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. All right, so where do we sit here in this frustrating development? Right, UCLA's four and two, one and two in Pac-12 play, two winnable games on the road. Against very good opponents, Utah with their third, fourth string, now starting quarterback who's flipped back and forth. A good Utes defense. Against a pretty solid Utah team over solid Oregon State team overall in Corvallis, both sold out, packed atmospheres, in which UCLA somewhat wilted, if you will, under the pressure. Not fully, not didn't show up, but they did not come out and give their true best performance and get beat. They left a lot to be desired, which is why. I've seen a lot on social media. Fire Chip Kelly. Get rid of Dante Moore for now. Bench him, Bench him, Bench him, Bench him. See the comments. Bench him. Zach, you said Dante Moore was going to be the second coming of any insert. Insert any UCLA quarterback. Okay. True freshman mistakes have cost UCLA in three straight games. They only lost two games because of it, but both on the road. So if we step back and kind of get out of this narrow focus where, all right, you pull out of the Pac-12 title race for now because there's going to need a lot to happen for UCLA to even creep back in it like Utah did last year with a couple of losses. What does UCLA need to build back into this, right? What can they do to get a good season moving forward, not just Pac-12 competition, but to grow for next year? Well, that's why we're going to grade this episode, grade this performance for UCLA which initially just comes out to me as a full team loss, some exposure towards some many weaknesses and glaring mistakes by the UCLA defense, honestly, for the first time all season long in key spots. And it's, this is not on the defense, even though UCLA gave up the first time all season long, multiple touchdowns, more than one touchdown in a game by the UCLA defense. And then a lot of mistakes by Dante Moore that have cost the Bruins dearly in each of the two losses, a pick six in three straight games just isn't going to cut it, yet I think it's a little too soon to take Dante Moore off the starting perch. I'm not sure what Chip Kelly's going to do. He's not going to give us any insight leading into that game against Stanford. So we're somewhat left in the dark wondering what's to be and what is to come of Ethan Garbers, the Colin Schley injury, and the growth of Dante Moore from week to week, considering Stanford isn't that good coming up despite their miraculous win against Colorado. UCLA again, opening offensive drive. What happens? Pick. Wasn't a pick six, like against Utah, but a pick that sets Oregon State up for success. A three now. UCLA doesn't do anything offensively there. Oregon State goes, kicks a field goal. Another pick. Although Moore got hit on the throw, I'm not sure how much you're going to blame him for getting hit literally in the arm as he's releasing the football For a second interception. But it left a floating duck up there. And Oregon State came down with it. And the Beavers went out. And scored a touchdown. On a wide open velling throw. From Aiden Childs. All of a sudden. The Bruins are down 13-0. Still out of nowhere. The Bruins bring out Colin Schley. A package I've been asking for. For quite some time. Just once or twice. Something to change it up. I knew Schley had this ability. To change the game of the running attack. And that's why Chip Kelly is so weird when it says the running game's been inconsistent. It somewhat has because you can't rely on a quarterback stick, if you will, in college, Schley making big moves time and time again to play the whole game as an exclusive Wildcat quarterback, if you will. But the Bruins brought out the Schley package, which I I don't know what you guys thought, but I knew they had it. Chip Kelly's teased everybody about it, and they finally brought it out either out of necessity or whatever – and it sparked UCLA to have some offensive success. Unfortunately, a drive stalled late in the first half before they could try and take the lead against Oregon State when they're down 13 to 7 and touchdown would have given them the lead. Yet, despite more the more mistakes, Bruins had the ball end of the first half and almost a similar type thing that happened in the Washington State game. A little quick look hitter to the outside, more just turns throws Almost not even fully reading the defense, and then Cooper Ryan Cooper Jr. turns, jumps in front of the pass when the Bruins were in Oregon State territory, and races it back for a touchdown. Maybe if UCLA catches him and brings him down before he gets there, and they kick a field goal to different game. Still, UCLA was driving. It seemed like first score, whether it be an attempt at a field goal or a touchdown drive. If we're all betting on something spectacular happening. And that changed the momentum of the game from down 16-10 driving at halftime to 23-10 Oregon State up with the football. How many times can you give Dante Moore an opportunity in this season with times So he's thrown many interceptions? I think we've gotten spoiled in recent years of college football to believe that true freshman quarterbacks are going to go win the Heisman or be Heisman-esque immediately out of the gate. Now, if Moore continues to make these mistakes, in the next season, and in years in the future. Then, obviously, it's a tendency that he's never grown. But how do you grow if you don't make mistakes? He was a five-star product, a recruit, and yet I still believe he is the best passing option for UCLA's quarterbacking system. Whether he fits in the Chip Kelly offense or not, the best passer on this team, the best talent on this team as a true quarterback, is Dante Moore. Now, is there an offensive line capable of pass blocking long enough to give him times? Is the Chip Kelly offense a true fit for Dante Moore's talents? Do those two intermingle correctly? Is Colin Schley maybe the better fit, but he's not the best passer on the team. He's probably the third best passer on the team, arguably fourth best. We haven't seen him throw enough, but I remember he threw the pick against NC Central, and the one pass he threw completed for a yard was still tipped. Because if College Schley was a better passer, I think he would have been the starting quarterback by now. He is excellent, super athletic. I'm not going to bag on him because he was clearly fantastic in this game against Oregon State and is dealing with some injury that we don't know what the status is going forward. His presence on the field will be important for UCLA. Yet, I still think the best quarterback. The athlete, the playmaker we saw was Schley who can go make things happen with the football. But in terms of wanting to develop something at the quarterback As a true quarterback, that is more. And I think he has it more than Garbers. I think he has it more than Schley. And yet we still might see Garbers later on this season. I I don't know. I, I thought Garbers would come at some point this season. But I do think the most talented best option UCLA has as a true quarterback is Dante Moore. Now that doesn't take away from what is a unique offensive grade here for this UCLA team. Because you want to say, all right, UCLA rushed for so, so many yards. Carson Steele is forgotten because he's put up 200-plus yard games back-to-back in big-time weeks. 140 yards and 120 yards in a score. Colin Schley, 80 yards rushing. TJ Harden, a touchdown and 47 yards rushing, averaging over five yards a carry. Keegan Jones doing crazy things on the ground, leaping over defenders, turning on the spin cycle and making some big plays happen, only touching the ball three times for an average of three yards per carry. There's so many good things from the, rushing, the running game. Almost 300 yards running the football. When it was clear as day, the Bruins weren't having any success, consistent success throwing the football, and yet Chip Kelly calls it inconsistent, a team where I think the lack of coaching in-game adjustments cost the Bruins a chance to be even more competitive. Sometimes what UCLA needed to do was, hey, Why couldn't we just run the football more effectively earlier, see, hey, Moore made a mistake, let's go to the running, let's run the ball and see how that works, as opposed to coming out firing and firing again to earn his confidence. That's what the next game's for. But it was clear early in that game, the Bruins were going to have a bit more success running the football, and immediately that was the case when Colin Schley came in. Now, how can that look going forward if Schley's not available, if Schley is available? Those are so many questions in the future that, we won't know until Collin is designated healthy or unhealthy to go into the Stanford game and beyond. I think this passing attack, UCLA gets a D minus. I know Dante Seymour had a nice pass, a big pass to Matzeval in the second half. Had a touchdown pass to Loya in a perfect scheme. Crossing on third and eight into the end zone. Yet the Bruins are not finding ways to get J. Michael Sturdivant involved. Two catches for 19 yards. The superhuman, if you will, as a wideout on the outside. UCLA's got to find ways to get Sturdivant open, not forcing more to hit him on an out pattern near the sideline. Get him vertical. Let's see what happens and force it that way as opposed to forcing it on the sidelines when the timing and the reading is not there by the true freshman just yet. Now, the D minus is one thing. The running attack, the running the football, definitely I'll go with a B. Why don't go with an A? Well, you got to win the game to at least get an A running the football. And coaching goes into it. Why didn't they just come out from the jump? How many times have we seen UCLA not run the football in the first play the last couple of weeks? First couple of plays consistently where it's pass incomplete or something happens and they move the ball and then bam, pick. First play against Utah. A little different against Washington State though, right? And then here against Oregon State, early setting downs. What would it look like for UCLA to go three and out running the football three times? Right, or just run the football, run the football, see what happens with Dante Moore third down. I know you want to get him involved early and catch a team by surprise, but how? when is UCLA just going to come out and say, we're going to run the football and see if you can stop it? If you can't, we're going to do it again and again and again, which UCLA, I think, learned their lesson far too late in this game. And eventually, when you're down 19, it's tough to run the football over and over and over again to try and win the game even though the Bruins still almost did it with an injured sleeve with UCLA struggling to throw the ball and truly pass protect Dante Moore, who's also taken a couple of sacks, Chip Kelly throw the ball. And yet it comes down to a couple of moments in the second half where the defense simply didn't get stops and had nothing to do with Dante Moore turning over the football like he did in the first half, which is where I think UCLA also cost themselves the game in this aspect. B plus for the running game D minus for the passing game. UCLA puts up 24 points, a game where they moved the football, could have been a little bit more competitive in this game, still could have won it, arguably different schools of thought, Schley's not injured, UCLA wins the game. I've seen comments, I'm not entirely confident that was the case, but UCLA definitely had a different flavor to themselves when on the when having Colin Schley on the field, it was a little different. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the defense and where they're exposed some minor takeaways and... Is UCLA's defense all right, or how much did it bank on more turning over the football and putting them in bad situations over and over again? I'm going to dissect that next. It's a little bit until UCLA plays at home. i got another road game coming up, but if you want that last-second ticket, you're going to sit there waiting for the last second to see what the UCLA-Colorado matchup will look like. It's a bit of a primetime 4.30 game. You're going to want to go to game time, and after you've done your last-minute procrastinating, that's where you're going to get your last-minute tickets, your flash deals, and your zone deals, because you're going to wonder, is this seat going to be in the sun in the early after early evening, late afternoon? Do you want to know what the deals are for a, a ticket that might be a little pricier now, but might be creeping lower as the closer to the UCLA-Colorado game gets? They've got easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in the area, which is why you take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeemable code is locked on college, L O C K E D C O L L, locked on college. Right and roll. L O C K E D O N C O L L E G E, locked on college. Let's rock and roll, $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Guaranteed. What is prize picks? Well, they're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers, not against sharks, professionals. You pick more or you pick less. Two to six players for their stat projections, and you can watch the winnings roll in. All you can do is you can get your quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types that makes price picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. They've got weekly promotions coming up. Taco Tuesday, if you will, which discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. You should check it out. Price picks, go to pricepickscom slash locked on college. Use the code locked on college for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Again, pricepicks.com, locked on college, code locked on college. For a deposit match up to hundred dollars, daily fantasy sports made easy with Prize Picks. Cruising on here in Locked On UCLA, second segment for your Bruins. Hey, what's what's going on with UCLA? What do the Bruins need to do defensively to get back on the Schneid? Well, most importantly, I think it's not setting them up for disaster time and time again with a Dante Moore interception or a turnover of sorts, where UCLA and the three Dante Moore turnovers led directly to the 13 points. Also, UCLA's defense has got to help themselves out by not dropping a surefire interception and leading that into three more points. So think about this game. A 12-point loss, UCLA points off turnovers, net minus 13 from Dante Moore's three picks, including a direct pick six that has nothing to do with the defense. UCLA's defense jumping in front of the pass, dropping it, It falls in the lap of an Oregon State receiver's hands, leads to the continuation of a drive, and then led to a field goal. Mind you, all that happened in just the first half, and still UCLA was very much in the game in the second half. Multiple chances to cut it closer than 12, and they couldn't do so. So where's the special teams rank to get that out of the way? They they didn't cost the Bruins the game. The defense really disappointed me in three certain areas. The touchdown drive by Oregon State in the first half after a Dante Moore interception where they left Velling wide open. Very frustrating for it to happen on a third and goal. It's not even DJ Oyenglele. You had the youngster Aiden Childs who came in and was leading that drive, which was an opportunity for UCLA to force a young mistake, whatever it took, to maybe get the football back and, dare I say, rip it back or at least force another field goal. That was where it felt a little backbreaking to leave someone so wide open on a third and goal that it just it was so frustrating to watch it as a UCLA fan something that they truly hadn't done in a while and with the way the game dictated it was more frustration based off what UCLA needed than what actually happened because in the course of the game the defense is going to leave someone wide open they're going to leave someone wide open at a crossing pattern on near the goal line a couple of times on some deep balls that's going to happen but what was frustrating is to see it happen Later in the game, that led to a 43-yard strike for a touchdown from DJ. And then another 32-yard bomb to Velling later in the game. They found Silas Bolden early third quarter. And then they found Jack Velling later on open, untouched into the end zone late third quarter, which pretty much was the backbreaking score. The backbreaking play for the UCLA defense was this. DJ rolled out to the left against his body. I'm not sure how he threw it up, but threw up a prayer and still completed it to the Oregon State tight end, high-pointing the football, yes, yes. It just seemed like UCLA was nowhere near the football on a ball that seemingly was in the air forever, floating up just to be batted down, maybe intercepted, and Velling went went to make a play. A couple of times, it was more than a couple of times in this game, we saw the secondary get burned on some miscommunication, but yet defenses every week, even the best defense, will have miscommunication once or twice, and I'm not going to sit here and say all this is Danton Lynn's fault. That's the guys in the field having to communicate, the loud, the, the crowd, everything in, in between. Still, Oregon State was able to do things against the UCLA defense that most teams could not. Oregon State able to run the football, 133 yards. And I said in this game initially I thought UCLA would keep Oregon State under their rushing total. I thought that might lead to a successful day for a win. Instead, despite being 70 yards less rushing the football, the Bruins were unable to get a couple of key stops in the third and fourth quarter, mostly in the third quarter before Oregon State kind of capped it. And this is a game where Oregon State still put up almost the same amount of yards as UCLA offensively, despite having less plays, going shorter fields, and they found ways with Damian Martinez to run the football. Six yards a pop to Fenwick only had nine carries nearly six yards a pop as well, a team that ran the football. They didn't dominantly run the football. The Bruins still got some big key tackles for loss on some plays and stuffed the Beavers on some running plays. It was just frustrating to see guys wide open when the UCLA defense needed to go. And one of the things I kind of alluded to is you can't make mistakes every week and lean so much on your defense because at some point they're going to have a bad game, especially in college, at any level of football. The defense is going to be leaky. It's going to happen once in a blue moon. It's very rare to have a super dominant defense, especially with the transition and the transformation that UCLA is trying to make from the beginning of the Chip Kelly era over to the Jim Moore era, all the way to now trying to make a year to year transformation with the cast of characters UCLA has six year seniors, transfers, former walk-ons, all those mixed in between to make a truly big time transformation that not all this game is their fault. But the third quarter scores are definitely all on the defense. Miscommunication, big plays that maybe the offense could have figured it out, whether it was Moore or Schley, and instead of the Bruins had to go more press the envelope, press, 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 because of a couple of third quarter touchdowns. That's not going to truly make or break the, the UCLA defense in my mind. It was, all right, we finally saw what they looked like against a capable offense that could both pass the football and run the football. What a novel concept. We hadn't truly seen a team that could do both of those things in this same game, arguably all year. Utah, Utah couldn't throw the ball. You had Washington State, who refuses to run the ball. Coast Carolina, unique team, but not good enough to say that they get to this balanced mark that Oregon State was. And not that DJ. was backbreaking, spectacular, was 266 yards, two touchdowns. Childs with a, a couple, of play, couple of completions with a touchdown. It was just unique to see what UCLA did against a balanced attack. And I wish the Bruins defense had better opportunities in the first half to see Oregon State go the length of the field than just having short fields to deal with over and over and over again, where at the end of the game, they're just trying to strip the ball out, hoping to get the short field for the offense. In the end, the pressure didn't come as we take a look at some of the keys. UCLA make DJ uncomfortable. I don't think they did that too often. You go back to key number two, big play offense. The big play offense was actually big plays for Oregon State's defense turning points into offense from their defensive stands. And yet, early success, I think Oregon State had a lot more early success on first and second downs than UCLA did consistently when the game was within 13, six points in the first half compared to the second half. A frustrating game nonetheless. I think the defense borderline C plus B minus. I'm feeling a little gracious because the defense forced another turnover. How many of these points think of the the 13 points cost the the dropped interception, but it was those third quarter back breaking touchdowns, those misplays and miscommunication. I'm going to go C plus definitely a passing effort could have been graded higher, could be a different performance. Still some things I would have liked to seen a bit more only two sacks would have loved more pressure, more guys in the backfield, Making big plays. I know that's a lot to ask week in and week out. I think a C-plus is a fair grade for a team that played really well defensively leading into this game and didn't truly fall apart. It was just some plays that they fell apart in this game, leading to some disastrous outcomes. A couple of touchdowns some big play touchdowns that ultimately won the game for Oregon State in the second half when the Bruins tried to stay in this game. Coaching decisions... Well, we're going to keep it light on this one because, one, why don't you run the football earlier? Two, why don't you go for two in either of your second half touchdowns? I don't know what analytics says, but when you're down 19, you go for two, and then when you stall near fourth and goal or fourth and long, and instead of having to go from from the 30, you could have kicked a field goal to make it a one-possession game, and all of a sudden the the energy in the building's a little different as opposed to Dante Moore having to go for a deep pass, fourth and long, let the Oregon State defense blitz. Some unique coaching decisions. I like the fact that Schley finally came in and the package was brought and shown to the rest of us. I just don't know where the adjustments have fully been made. Some decisions made in this game just didn't make sense. I don't think they're fireable offenses. I don't think UCLA, considering they're underdogs in this game, Chip Kelly should be fired, I think, is a... Far cry from what should be, at least at the moment. You gotta let the Bruins play out the rest of this season before we get that truly dramatic again. And yet here we are, UCLA's defense, a C plus, because we've seen much better from them this year. The overall offense may be a passing grade. Special teams didn't play a true factor in this game in my mind. Frustrating game. UCLA could have easily competed a lot better. It was close. It could have been closer and that's why we're so frustrated as Bruins fans. This game had a lot better potential in it, and it just didn't show itself in that game from start to finish. That's just how it is. 4-2, the Bruins under five hundred in Pac-12 conference play. We'll talk about this more throughout the week, leading into the Stanford game, as UCLA's schedule gets a lot, lot, lot easier. We're at that. we got more of talking UCLA hoops. Pac-12 teams, some ranked UCLA men's basketball, Another snub at a preseason poll? What's new on Locked On UCLA? Now it's time for your Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. And it's none other than Colin Schley. He's the one that made the most impact by coming out on the field and despite it being limited action, UCLA's offense looked a bit different. When they needed a spark, it was Colin Schley, who's your Game Changer of the Week. So much like Schley, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good because they're great tasting. Their brews are great tasting, award-winning, and they beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. They're constantly releasing limited experimental styles to add to their variety. Most importantly, they're fit for all times, anytime, anywhere, and make any activity more enjoyable. First-time customers use the code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE to get 15% off your first online order you can find the non-alcoholic brews from athletic brewing company at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com again that's locked on l-o-c-k-e-d at checkout for 15 percent off at athleticbrewing.com near beer exclusions and conditions apply athletic brewing company fits for all times cruising on in this final segment for locked on ucla zach ederson yox i'm with you guys Another snub for UCLA men's basketball to preseason top twenty-five. What does UCLA look like with seven freshmen, eight newcomers, looking to revamp a team that was a top ten, top five team, potential shortlist for a national contender prior to injuries before the national before the tournament? And here UCLA is a team that's one of three teams that could be ranked in the top twenty-five. SC in the AP polls twenty-one. Arizona's number twelve with them getting key recruiting classes in the portal and other guys. What is unique for me in this preseason poll for the AP Top 25 that sticks out, Wisconsin 26, Colorado, the 27th-ranked team, and then UCLA 28. So not even is UCLA in their own conference a team that, according to the pollsters, is a the third best team there, I know in the, pre, in the preseason polls for the conference, UCLA picked to finish third, but overall nationally, some love for Colorado. The Buffaloes, we expect with DeSilva returning and some talent returning for Colorado. UCLA sits here with a unique sink, with a lot of unique potential. Again, the youth is going to play a lot, a big factor in this game, in this season for UCLA. How quickly can they grow here in this season, 23 to 24? Again, I've pinpointed different aspects. It's just unique to see, all right, this is going to be a, a, an extremely competitive conference. More than what the national pundits think, more than what I think, more than we all think, Bruins are going to struggle, and there'll be some moments for greatness. The opportunity for UCLA to not be in the top 25 is certainly, as much as Mick Cronin doesn't pay attention to it, Probably some bullets and board material that he can use to fire and fuel the guys. I know it's a little different with the international guys coming, freshmen recruits coming, and a lot of newcomers who are trying to form their identity as this year's team, this year's iteration of UCLA Bruins, but also trying to maintain, hey, this is the tradition. Anything short of a national championship is considered not good in, in UCLA men's basketball standards. And I think that's what McCronin's now slowly built that the program up to with The most recent seniors graduating, going pro, and leaving, losing eligibility, and bringing in this new crop, it's reinvigorating them, telling them, hey, this is what we expect defensively. This is what we need out of you offensively. This is your role, and this is what the bare minimum is for a level, which is absolutely fantastic in terms of, hey, we can't get your minimum level. Got to bring it every single game defensively. And we know Mick Cronin will let you know that if you're not playing his level of defense, the standard is the standard. The hustle bone, everything, deflections, those are all key for UCLA to win this year. Rebounding, defense, the Bruins are going to play big. I'm not sure how slow they'll be, how deliberate the offense will be. We just hope the Bruins can come out and be a good team and maybe be like a UConn last year, where they were big, physical, out muscled teams in the tournament and just raced their way through March into April, winning a national championship. I'm not saying UCLA is UConn, that's not the case. But maybe they're a team that can come out, surprise a lot of teams early, take the hiccups, hopefully not as more as UCLA's quarterbacking situation, take the lumps, and they're not a national championship team at this time. That is just not the case. They can develop into that by March, which is Mick Cronin's job to do so, but they're certainly a talented team, and I just wonder, November can't come soon enough, because Obviously, UCLA SC will be a unique football game. I just can't wait to see what the basketball team looks like because I am in so much wonder that nobody can pinpoint what UCLA looks like basketball-wise. What will they look like opening night? Is this a uh-oh or is this like a ho-ho type year? I think we'll know that right away if this is a team that's going to develop later in the year or a team that's just crazy talented, underappreciated in the preseason by everybody whether it's the Athletic, ESPN, AP pollsters, everything, a lot of things that need to develop for UCLA this year with a lot of youngsters. A snub? We'll find out. That's going to do it for this episode of Locked On UCLA. I'm Zach Anderson-Yoxheimer. Thanks for making the show your first listen each and every day. And, hey, hit that download button. Hit that subscribe button. Let me know your thoughts. Are you still fired Chip Kelly? Are you benched Dante Moore? If you're in every day, we're going to touch on this subject tomorrow. Specifically, should the Bruins bench Dante Moore? We don't know a lot about the collins Schley injury status at the moment. We do know garbage is available, according to Chip Kelly at his presser. What does this mean? We're going to dissect it deliberately, specifically. Dante Moore, should it be benched. That's coming up in the next episode of Locked on UCLA. Heads up, Bruins fans. Eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You see UCLA fight, fight, fights. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.